The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. On leaving the synagogue, Jesus entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Simon's mother-in-law lay sick with a fever. They immediately told him about her. He approached, grasped her hand, and helped her up. Then the fever left her, and she waited on them. When it was evening, after sunset, they brought to him all who were ill or possessed by demons. The whole town was gathered at the door. He cured many who were sick with various diseases, and he drove out many demons, not permitting them to speak, because they knew him. Rising very early before dawn, he left and went off to a deserted place where he prayed. Simon and those who were with him pursued him, and on finding him said, Everyone is looking for you. He told them, Let us go on to the nearby villages that I may preach there also. For this purpose have I come. So he went into their synagogues preaching and driving out demons throughout the whole of Galilee. The Gospel of the Lord. Let me sum up the book of Job in this way. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen, and nobody cares. I'm not sure I'd want to go out with Job. Life is a drudgery. My life is like the wind. Oh, you know, I might be moved to despair, or others might be moved to... Uh, suicide, you know, someone like that. Now, he went through a lot and he was faithful. He lost everything, but boy, that uh, it's a difficult book to get through, and yet he's very honest about the whole thing. Now, of course, he didn't know Jesus, and Jesus does not promise us anything more than a life of slavery. That's what Paul says. He says, I become a slave because he feels obligated to the Lord for what the Lord has done for him. And the best way that he can see himself serving the Lord is by being a slave, a servant. And that's what's said of Jesus, too, that he took on the form of a slave. So here we have Job, and we commiserate with him. But then we look at the Messiah and his followers, and we're told it's going to be difficult. It's going to, going to be difficult because there's so much work to be done. And we can't count the cost, or, or as Paul says, I have become all things to all people. And he does it out of love of God and love of neighbor. So we have this model of service, and of course Jesus is the model of what we're supposed to be doing. Now again, and I've said this before, that we have our culture, American society, that says, don't make life a drudgery. You know, get the, the latest robot floor cleaner uh, and this, that, and the other thing to make your life easy. And, you know, what you've earned, that's yours. Do with it as you want. And yet God is saying, that's not important. What's important is 
that we see ourselves as servants, as slaves, and follow in the way of the Lord. And over the past week, we have seen in the readings, and over the past couple of weeks, we see who this Jesus is. You know, again, he didn't come and set up shop in one particular place. He didn't have an office. And clearly, he was traveling so much, he always had to depend on the kindness of strangers. So if he's in a town, that's where he's going to stay. And when he sent out the apostles two by two, he said, stay where you are welcome and bring peace to that household. But you're always going to be on the move. You can't get comfortable. And I think that's part of what we, we suffer from today, this desire to be comfortable, to have everything in a convenient way. But again, looking at Jesus, he didn't. Because what did he do? He traveled, he traveled, he traveled. He preached in the synagogues. So he went to this town, Capernaum. He went to Bethsaida. He went here. He went there. And he taught the people. And that's not just Jesus' call. It's the call of all disciples to go and preach and teach the gospel. What else did he do? He cured people of illnesses here and there and everywhere. And it doesn't say he only cured certain illnesses. He said, it says, whoever came to him with an illness, he cured them. Do we see that today? And it also says, all week long we've heard this, wherever Jesus went, he told the demons to get out of people. He exercised the people, got rid of Satan. He had power over Satan. And as I was reading and listening to the readings all week, I thought to myself, was that just unusual to have all these people possessed by Satan? Or what about our times? Certainly the, Satan must be uh, having a wonderful time thinking <clears throat> that we don't think of that enough. And yet this was very much a part of Jesus' ministry to heal, to heal people, to restore people whether it was physically or spiritually, restore them to what God wanted for them, not so that they could go home and be comfortable, but so that they could follow Jesus. And so Jesus had followers. He called 12. Then he called 72. And then others would be following him. And always, 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 he taught them, he showed them by example what they were called to do. Then he sent them out two by two. And he said, go and preach the gospel. Tell people to repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Cure people and get rid of the demons. So they're doing exactly what Jesus did. And here we are 2,000 years later. Have we lost that fervor or zeal or that knowledge of what God wants of us. Because the power to cure, the power to exercise demons is still in our midst. God is in our midst. We have the Holy Spirit empowering us to great things, but do we do them? Or do we tend to say, oh, and this is what old people do, right? We do it. Oh, boy, I have this ache in my back I can't rid of. Oh, I'm going in for knee surgery. Uh, you know, on and on and on. And okay, fine. But then do we stay in that kind of woe is me? 
woe is me? Or do I say, thanks God that I got this medical care so I can get off the couch and get out into the public and do things? Or are we so self-protective that we get lazy and we don't take seriously the call that God has for each one of us to go forth and proclaim the good news of salvation, which includes curing people, working miracles, and telling Satan, get out of him, be gone. So we're called to do what Jesus did. We're called to do what the apostles did. We're called to do what the saints did over uh, thousands of years. And it can seem that it is a drudgery because it can be very difficult. And despite the fact that we know it's the right thing to do, and it's the, the good thing to do, and I'm obligated to do it, it doesn't mean I'm going to have this great sense of satisfaction. There still will be that drudgery and that loneliness that comes with serving the Lord, especially, I would say, in this day and age, in a world where it's just counter to the gospel, where instead of helping people, we're wounding people, we're killing people, just very counter to the gospel. But that doesn't mean we, need to, we, we can give in. We can't. And that's, again, why Jesus created the church, so that we could boost one another, we could walk with one another, we could encourage one another, we could point out, wow, that was really wonderful what you did. Uh, did you ever think of doing this or that? That's the encouragement and fervor that we're supposed to be finding in the church, the community of believers, because we're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. We all got our drudgeries, our aches and pains, or, you know, families, etc., etc. And yet, God says, yes, you do have that. That's all part of reality. However, you also have me. And I am God. I am your Savior. I want you to thrive and to flourish, to go out and proclaim the gospel message. So, especially in those times where we feel, you know, what's it all about? Uh, we're lonely. It's interesting that the autobiography of Dorothy Day was entitled The Long Loneliness. Now, she's a, probably going to be a saint someday. But even she experienced in doing the, the Lord's work some loneliness. And so she had to rely on close friends, church members, uh, to help her through it. We can't do it alone. But if you think of it, there's another great gift that God has given us. Be besides the charisms of the Holy Spirit, we have been given the gift of the church, one another. Now, are we behaving in a way that says we're brothers and sisters and that we're here for one another and we're really willing and ready to go out two by two? Well, that's what we're working towards. But it's all here. We have it all. There's no good reason to be depressed, to be anxious about anything. And if we go back to Paul, what did Paul say? Okay, he was persecuted, stoned, left for dead, shipwrecked, and yet he said two very important things. Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Okay, it's not a feeling. It's a decision that I make. Rejoice always. And then he also said, in all circumstances, give thanks. 
because that is God's will for you in Christ Jesus in all circumstances. Thanks, Lord, for the drudgery. Why not? Why? Can you imagine actually thanking God for it? That would be freeing because we'd be saying, yeah, it's drudgery, but thanks, Lord, because you know it all. You've got it all under control, and I can say thank you. I got a, uh, if I get a, um, a diagnosis of cancer, I can say thank you, Lord, because somehow even that drudgery and that what we would call evil is still being used by God so that not only I can grow in my faith, but that I can reach out to others in a compassionate way and help them. So again, we have it all. We've got the answer to what ails the world for all the jobs in the world, for all those who suffer. We've got the answer, but do we take that answer and do we live it? Do we get the, the fire going? Do we challenge one another? Do we say thank you in all circumstances? Are we always rejoicing, making that a basic discipline and practice? Because we all know that when we are joyful, for in whatever way, it's like, everything's fine. Everything's fine. It's when we go back into that dark place that things seem to be different, but they're not really, because God is still with us, still guiding us. So as you go forth today, um, <clears throat> remember Job. That's a real feeling, real experience. But also remember Paul, who says, I've got to preach the gospel. I'm obligated because of what Jesus did for me. And then look to Jesus to see what he did. Traveling here, traveling there, preaching in synagogues, healing people, curing them, and exercising demons. That's the focus we're supposed to be uh, have in our lives. Not the difficulties, but what God calls us to do. And then, hopefully, as those things begin to happen more and more, as we share that, more and more people will come to the Lord, just as they came to Jesus. He couldn't go anywhere without people hearing of what he was doing and where he was and then flocking to him. Hopefully we're going to be a light of Christ like that too. But again, it comes down to are we truly faithful? Are we grateful to God for all that God has done for us? And are we willing to step out with one another to proclaim the gospel, to heal people? That may be our gift to exercise demons. Do we have that charism? Whatever the charisms are, to step out in faith and use them so that we can bring about more and more the kingdom of God as God wants it to be. Not as the world says it is, but as God wants it to be. So we're all very powerful people. We may not think that way. We may not feel that way. But in reality, that is the truth. So again, as you go forth, Remember, you are a child of God. You have the gifts of God. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. So nothing can get in the way of our following Jesus. And the more we do that, the more we build up our community, the more people will want to become part of that community, and we become even stronger. So as we receive the, the, the body of Christ, which is perfect food, we've been nourished by the word of God, let's pray that we will become more and more like Jesus, willing to go on that travel, 
go on that pilgrimage constantly seeking out the goodness of God in others, bringing the goodness of God to others so that all may be a part of his kingdom.